0: I'm sure you've had a situation where you've uh, actually had to let a firearm go for far less than you paid for it because you fell in love with I, it. I
1: have done that, I, I, you know, and, and it hurts, but you do try to learn from it.
0: Welcome to the Small Business Celebration Podcast, the podcast by successful business owners for business owners like you, so you can grow a strong and profitable business and use something you learn on this podcast today. Our guest is Ken Kornberg of Valley Gun, and he's going to guide us on the importance of building a business for the long term, what you can do with a successful business, and the importance of finding the right business book. But before we get into this wide-ranging conversation, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. As a business owner, you are a visioneer, and you are ethical, smarter faster, and leaner than your mainstream competition. But what about your message? If your clients and customers don't clearly understand what you can do for them, you are leaving money on the table. If you confuse, you lose. Here at Small Business Celebration, we have a seven-step solution that can clarify your message and put you in the game. Don't leave money on the table. Go to smallbusinesscelebration.com and schedule an introduction today. Tim McNeely with Lifestone Wealth Management understands that most entrepreneurs like you simply want to make a difference in the lives of the people they love and the causes they care about. In order to do that, you need assistance in solving all of your unique financial needs. The problem is your current financial advisor wants to talk about what a great job they are doing managing your investment portfolio, and that can leave you feeling frustrated and misunderstood. Tim believes you deserve financial advice that moves beyond your portfolio. Tim understands that you need advice on minimizing taxes, taking care of the next generation, and protecting your hard-earned assets, all while supporting the causes you are passionate about. That is why, for the last 20 years, Tim has focused on providing advice beyond investments. Here's how it works. First, you and Tim meet, and he learns what really matters to you. Then... Tim presents a plan for moving forward, making real progress towards achieving your most important goals. To get started, contact Tim at LifestoneWM.com, that's LifestoneWM.com, and start making a difference in the lives of the people you love and the causes you care about. Welcome, fellow small business owners. I'm Michael Roberts here with the Small Business Celebration Podcast. And our guest today is Ken Korberg of Valley Gun here in Bakersfield, California. In fact, we're here in his shop today. I have to admit, when you walk into this store, this is a sight to behold because there are so much memorabilia from the firearms industry from over the years like looks like at least, say, 56 years or so. And the amount of history, Bakersfield history that is within this store is remarkable. And if if you haven't had an opportunity to come down to Valley Gun here on Chester, this is a sight to behold. You've got to see this. And our guest, like I said, is is Ken Korberg, and uh, he is the past recipient of the Firearms Retailer of the Year with Friends of the NRA. He also is Sportsman of the Year of the Kern County Sports Night. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um,
1: And I'm really really pleased to be here. I'm uh, glad to be a part of this. And I look forward to hopefully enlightening a few people, giving them a little bit of insights
0: about business. Explain to us who the Kern County Sportsman's Night is.
1: Well, Kern County Sportsman's Night is a committee of individuals who have been in, involved in, you know, the, I guess, the um, promotion of sports, primarily hunting and shooting sports, uh, for the last well over 50 years, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um They put together a banquet on a yearly basis, and each year they honor someone as their sportsman of the year. That individual is generally someone who has given to the sporting industry, uh, promoting sports, uh, promoting families in the shooting sports. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things that we like to do is uh, to really target children and that next generation of shooters. Uh, help to ingrain the shooting sports into their dna so to speak Um, it's a great organization they promote different uh, shooting organizations within kern county as well Mm -hmm. for example uh, they've been aligned with ducks unlimited kern county frenzy nra california waterfowl association rocky mountain elk foundation california deer association Tulare Basin Wetlands Association and there are others I'm sure I'm I'm forgetting sure sure sure. so it's kind of an all-encompassing and, and anyone who appreciates the shooting sports or the hunting sports is always welcome
0: well congratulations on on being the recipient of sportsman of the year it's it sounds like this is not a small honor to be taken lightly
1: well it was my turn was actually a couple of years ago but it still is an honor and uh i've got some other good friends and business associates and and colleagues within the business that that have also been honored and uh it is it it's humbling i think that uh, Kern County would select me as as someone who's uh, i guess worthy of an honor
0: Valley Gun was first started by your father fifty six years ago and you bought him out thirty six well twenty excuse me twenty years ago and he owned yes. it for thirty six one of the traps that often happens in the business world, especially small businesses, is you have the founder who develops and builds a very strong and profitable business. And then the business gets either inherited, passed on, or bought out by the the son or daughter, and they drive it promptly into the ground.
1: I have seen that happen. To um, give you a little background on us, my My dad actually started this business in 1963 with a partner of his, Gene Womble. Uh And um, as the business grew, they each had their strong points. Gene was an absolutely excellent gunsmith. And uh, my dad was more of the people person. Uh, Together they both worked very well. And they, they both had people who followed Each one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, They eventually got to the point where they opened a second location, which was this one. While the the original store was over off of East California, then they, about a year later, moved to South Chester by Ming Avenue. Mm -hmm. Um, Then this was opened as a second location. Eventually, they dissolved the partnership but always remained friends. And my dad kept this store. And uh, Gene... had the other one, it became known as Gene's Gun Shop. And, uh, you know, he operated that store for quite a number of years until he finally retired as well.
0: Speaking of locations in the, in the research that I was doing in preparing for this interview, I came across a very interesting article that when— San Joaquin Community Hospital bought up the rest of the block mm-hmm. and uh, threatened to tear down your business as well. And yet, you turned around and donated ten thousand dollars to the to the hospital. How'd it that did. work?
1: Well, it, it wasn't so much that they threatened to tear the building down because you know they for the facility they were building they couldn't use eminent domain mm-hmm. anyway. I understand there there were some people over there who would have liked to have been able to. There were a couple of other key properties that they would have liked to acquire, but, uh, you know, I was actually willing to move, but the numbers didn't work for me. Sure. And, um, I, I wasn't willing to move easily because I've been at this location for well over 40 years Mm -hmm. since 1973 and You know, the problem with that is everybody knows where I am.
0: Right, right, right.
1: If I move even, say, across the street, probably a third of my clients would come by, see that the store is no longer here, and they'd think I was gone.
0: Right, right.
1: And the mere fact that everyone knows where I am is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars in advertising costs. Right, right. And that's something that that I have built over 40-some-odd years. And at my... this. You know, my point in life. I'm not ready to go start over somewhere. Sure. Uh, but I, I wouldn't have been able to make it work with what the offer was. So I'm I'm still here. And it's not that I had harbored any ill feelings toward San Joaquin Community Hospital. Right. In fact, um, they were building the, the new cancer center at the time. Um, my father passed away from prostate cancer. Mm. I'm a prostate cancer survivor myself. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, It was nine years the 11th of this month. Wow. And um, I thought it would be not only a good gesture, but something uh, that I could do to help my community and and help people who are battling cancer. And if you ever want to get an idea of how many people face this disease just go get it yourself and you'll find out right. I don't recommend it but <laughs> holy smokes I mean I don't know hardly anybody well I don't know anybody that I can point to who has not had either their life or or life of someone they love touched by that disease right and it was something that that we wanted to do my wife Susan and I discussed it and uh, thought it would be a nice gesture on our part and help them and help our community
0: excellent excellent that's very worthwhile and you would not have been able to make that donation had you not had a business that was successful correct
1: and a very good clientele that is
0: very supportive of of me and the community your business currently employs seven employees and how would you describe your style of leadership and, and how you or the culture that you like to foster here with your employees and, and how does that work and benefit your business?
1: Well, I, I have always, you know, there are always things as a business owner that divert your attention. Mm-hmm. So I always try to find people that, that I like, that I trust, who i can depend upon to do what they what they're supposed to do i mean it takes a while to get up to speed coming into the gun business new because there there are a lot of things you have to learn mm-hmm. not only product but mostly procedures paperwork things of that nature how but, the law works yes but you know once you get to a point then i shouldn't need to tell you every day what needs to be done i uh, You know what needs to be done. And and so I look for people who are motivated and and can actually see what needs to be done and and just take care of it. I I don't care to try to be heavy handed with employees. Um, I don't want to have to be that way. I don't like being that way. Sure. It's just, it's not me. I'd just soon find someone who just can do what needs to be done.
0: Was this something that you learned from your father?
1: Uh, pretty much, he he, um, he was never a micromanager either, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, and back when he had the business, uh, it was it was a more social business at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it still can be a fun business, but you get drugged down in the paperwork and a lot of the procedures that have been mandated over the years that didn't exist then. Uh, you know, my dad lived his entire life without ever turning on a computer. <laughs> I can't do a, a day's business without him. Right. Uh, so there are always, you know, there's more work to be done, or I guess what I should say is you work harder for for less now than what you used to be able to do back in the, the 70s or so when I started. But, you know, all that being said, um, it's it's still a fun business. My dad liked to uh you know he tried to enjoy the business as much as he could and enjoy the people that came in and for the most part um, he used the same style he had people that he knew that he trusted uh he could leave the business with them for a day or two and not have to worry about it and that's that's key to find people like that
0: after you inherited the business from your father what apparent failure or a challenge did you encounter that you learned from Well
1: one of the biggest issues i've had uh, and it it still creeps up on me from time to time, but um, I love the firearms, uh, I love the mechanisms of them. I really appreciate older firearms, collectible firearms mm-hmm. uh, I look at them not only. For the tools that they are, but some of them are just—they're graceful, they're beautiful. I think um,
0: some of them I, are absolute works of art they when are. you look at them; just gorgeous.
1: And, and I have a deep appreciation for them. Uh, I've been buying and selling used firearms and collectible firearms for as long as I've been in the business, mm-hmm. and/or uh, at least as long as I've owned the business. Um, but one of the things that I have had occur multiple times over the years that I've tried to learn from is you get something that's that's really unique kind of cool something you don't see very often that that really piques my interest um sometimes I'll fall in love with them when I'm when I try to buy them and the problem with that is you tend to overlook the flaws that may be there and then you come back and you look at this thing. Later on, you think, oh, wow, that thing's not really in that great shape. It's got a lot more wear on it here. Uh, There's more of the original finish missing than I remember. Or, you know, worse than that even, you may overlook a a, a mechanical flaw with it or broken stock or something missing that you hadn't noticed. and, And that causes you to spend way too much on it. More so than you would like to, so yeah you have to try not to fall in love with it <laughs> um,
0: I'm sure you've had a situation where you've uh, actually had to let a firearm go for far less than you paid for it because you fell in love I, with it
1: I have done that I, I you know and and it hurts, but you do try to learn from it, you know or sometimes you can you can find parts and resurrect them and and maybe get lucky and break even but yeah, it's it's part of doing business.
0: I'm sure there has been a firearm once or twice that has come in that has never made it on the showroom floor. At least one. <laughs> As you were going through and you were developing and learning, there's a lot of things that have changed in society and the world, and including business. And is there a book or, or a series of books that has influenced the way that you do business?
1: Oh, as far as the way I do business, there are. I um, several years ago, probably one of the best things I ever did was I I took a uh, a Dale Carnegie course.
0: Ah, excellent. Yeah.
1: And uh, how actually, to win, how,
0: how to win friends and influence people. A classic. Yeah.
1: And I actually learned an awful lot. To me, uh, even more so than any reading I've done. Uh, one of the most important things in this business to me is is people skills mm-hmm. now my father i i he could be a well i'll put it this way it was you you never had to wonder what he was thinking mm-hmm. but he did know how to treat people and um he was courteous he was kind he was understanding with people and um you know i I try to be the same way, and uh through the the Carnegie course that I took, it does key in on that um you know what what's important to the client who comes into your store why did why are they there why did they choose you and uh your job isn't to judge them your job is to help them right, and I mean occasionally you'll get someone that you don't care to deal with, but you know that's it's just part of business but for the most part people are in here not because they're ignorant or anything of that nature but it's because they have questions that they need help answering or they're looking for something that that you can help them with and so your job is to help help find out what that is and and do the best you can Um, i'm also one of those type of people where if i don't have what the client needs can't get it in time uh or i don't provide a service that that can help them but i know who does if i don't tell them that and and help them find the answer then i'm doing my client a disservice sure i i don't tend to look at it as like some people do that you're sending the the client to your competition i'm helping that client and i I believe that they'll remember that and and they will seek you out in, in the future when a, you know at some point where you can help them.
0: And often, what that gesture of good faith also does is it makes what has been coined, coined the term quote friendly competition." Yes, because especially in a community like Bakersfield, all the gun shop owners know each other, yes and so do. and you have a fairly good idea of who's stock is in which other store and so they'll be passing customers back and forth depending on what the customer's needs are
1: yes and uh you know over the years we've always had uh very strong relationships with uh, the other businesses like said my dad and gene uh they dissolved their partnership but we always referred clients back and forth uh, there was used to be Chuck Johnson at uh, Johnson gun shop out in, in uh, on Chester and Oildale. Excellent gunsmith as well. Good friend of my dad's. Always uh, referred clients back and forth. We um, Pete, who used to have the ammo dump, used to work for my dad and Gene and years ago. I mean, everybody knew each other. Sure. And we always sought to help the client as best as possible. And so one of us would make a call to someone else throughout the day to, to try to find what it was a client needed. And uh, for the most part, we still do that today. Um, you know, there are some businesses in town that where I know the business owners much better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but still I I'm I've never been afraid to refer a client to someone who can help them.
0: And this is something that Dale Carnegie and through their course have taught which is that you're you're in business for the long haul you're in business for you're not trying to make the quick buck and these are all skills that you learn that you can learn out of that book how to influence and influence how to win friends and influence people excuse me and just uh, for our listeners, in case you're interested in that book, you'll be able to go ahead and download that book, uh, or purchase that book, I should say, off the recommended reading section of the Small Business Celebration website. So you can go there, go under recommended reading, and you'll find the the book, uh, "How to Win Friends and Influence People" by Dale Carnegie. Um, one of the things I did want to ask you too is, af- as you've built your business and And you've developed your clientele. What habit or way of doing business has changed for you in the last 10 years?
1: Well, it continues to get more intense as far as regulations. Mm -hmm. Um, There are forms and procedures that we have nowadays that didn't exist several years ago, probably a little longer than than 10 years ago. But um, with these changes, what I find to be an issue that we have to deal with is that there's, you know, above and beyond making the sale of a firearm, Mm -hmm. you've got probably another 10 to 15 minutes of additional regulations that have to be dealt with with, with each one. Uh Through either uh, the issuance of a firearm safety certificate uh we have to do safe handling demonstrations. I have to also document what type of firearm safety device an individual has, and you know whether you agree with them or don't agree with them it doesn't matter because that's the law and and in order to stay in business you've got to follow the law because. You can pick a fight with the Department of Justice, but you aren't going to win. They're always going to win every so, time. So, you know, the, the, my uh, procedure or or uh, my philosophy is that you may as well just do the best you can to incorporate into your routine a way to make sure that you get all of these uh, requirements fulfilled.
0: And this is key to any business owner and not just for Valley Gun and someone in the firearms business is it's very important to know the laws that you're dealing with. Yes. And good or bad or indifferent, it doesn't matter. You can argue till the cows come home, uh, but uh, it is what it is, and you just have to accept it and move on and, and uh, include the cost in the cost of doing business or pass it along to your customer. As as best
1: you can. Um. Now, when you deal with something that uh, say can be ordered through the internet uh, sometimes you're competing with people out of state who don't have those regulations and can actually conduct business you know less expensively than I can right but for the most part uh, f- well, firearms can't really just be ordered through the internet anyway; they have to involve a dealer um some of the problems that we have in California is there are certain firearms, especially handguns, that we can't even deal with here. Right. Uh, but the um, you know the overall message is that you just you have to do it.
0: One of the things I found interesting when I came into Valley Gun is I looked and sounded like a salesman. And when I first walked in, I, I could see the look on your face going, oh, great. What is this guy trying to sell me? And uh, and fortunately, we've had Ron Holbert on the on the podcast. And, and uh, Ron Holbert's a great guy with uh, Drunko Party Rentals. If you haven't listened to his, his interview, you should listen to it. It's great. But one of the things that you had noted is that uh, in the last five years, what's one of the things you've become better at saying no to, which is?
1: salesmen <laughs> who, who have a service or a product that I don't really want or need.
0: Exactly, exactly. And So let that be a lesson to everybody out there is uh, if, if you can go through and you've got a product or service that, that somebody does need, they just don't know it yet, uh, a warm handshake and a warm referral is, goes much further than just, just a standard uh, yes. cold call. Anyway, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is we know how volatile the, the firearms market is because it is very much in the political crosshairs. Yes, And so taking a step back away from that, if you had somebody that was bright-eyed, ambitious, that wanted to start their own business, aside from being in the firearms industry, what advice would you give them? Well,
1: first of all, unless you're a dot-com bubble that hasn't burst yet (laughs) or whatever the bubble is now, there is no quick, easy money in business, especially what you're trying to do is establish long-term relationships with people um, who like you, who like to do business with you, and, and hopefully will, you know, as they... Raise families; they'll bring their families in to do business with you. Um, it, it's a, it's not a short race. It's it's a long haul, mm-hmm. and I think you need to look at it that way. Um, it, You do have to work hard, especially just starting out in a business. So I've been fortunate in that I've grown up in this business. Um, I have I've been here since I was 17, mm-hmm. and I'm much older than that now. <laughs> and I helped develop the business along with my father uh, over the years. And I mean to to think about just opening a door and starting over scares the heck out of me. Right, because I mean. You, I'm fortunate in that, like I had stated earlier, everybody knows where I am, and that saves me a lot of money on advertising. Uh, I do still advertise, but not as much as, as someone new would, would need to. Right. And um, so you've got to be able to compensate for that somewhat by by putting in the extra effort, working the long hours, working sometimes weeks without a day off. Right. Uh, also, one thing you've got to – Really have to understand it as a small business owner. You are the last guy who gets paid, right? Um, because you've you've got to pay your taxes, you got to pay your vendors, you've got to pay your help, and you got to hope there's a little left over for you. <laughs> <laughs> and you know there have been times where I skipped a few paychecks, but. Sure. That's a cycle that any business can go through. Uh, you know if you're if you work hard, the timing is good, get a little bit of luck and um, you know you treat your clients right, you probably can make it. but uh, there are I think a lot of people who start businesses with the idea that it's easy and uh, when you look at overall the the percentage of small businesses that make it for the first five years i don't remember exactly what the numbers are but it's not very high right uh there are things that that those people who make it there are things that set them aside from from some of the others and and i i don't think it's any big secret i don't think it's any big talent they work harder sure
0: sure sure Speaking of, of working hard and putting in the effort and the time and, and paying yourself last, what do you do when you get overwhelmed or tired or frustrated or irritated?
1: Well, it, it does happen. It happens to everyone. Um, you know, uh, probably the best thing I I can do for me is just to, you know, get through the day, and find a little quiet time where you can just relax, unwind a little bit, and um, I'll usually, especially if I had, say, a, a, an event or a client who was not happy for some reason, I, I try to play over in my mind what, what could have happened differently to, to maybe avoid it. Um, you know, bottom line is, You're never going to be able to make everyone happy all the time. And sometimes it's through your shortcomings. Sometimes it's through no fault of your own. It just happens. But it doesn't mean that we can't reflect on those things. And, and, um, you know, I'll talk with friends who have been in business. I'll talk with my wife. uh, And... You know just try to sort it out what went wrong and and then um just get past it i i am one of those that i can't dwell on something for a long time i do my darndest to fix it mm-hmm. i'm not afraid to admit when i've made an error um and let a client know that i you know it's it is my fault I'm not perfect, but I'll do whatever I can to to fix it if they'll allow me and, and try to get it behind me as, as best I can.
0: Tell me about the Model A
1: Club. Uh, I have uh, kind of a, a soft spot in my heart for for Model A Fords. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, I can't really tell you why because nobody in my family growing up ever had one. I don't know anyone who... Didn't personally know anyone who owned one. I sure. I just was walking home from high school one day. I saw one sitting on the street, and just
0: <laughs> they're loved,
1: beautiful. I, I love the lines of that little car. It, it's it's basic simplicity, and uh, it's a rugged little car. Those things are almost ninety years old now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, I've just loved them. I have acquired a few of them, sold a few of them over the years, and currently I've got two. No, oh. but they're they're just kind of a fun little car. We've got a, a very good club in town that um, they're extremely active. Uh, we get the things out and use them. Uh, you know, I don't have a show car. Well, oh, they're they're
0: they're meant to be driven, right?
1: And I didn't want a show car, and I wanted one that I could have fun with. And uh, Susan you, do, and I have been, on, you know, all over the place in them. We've we've gone back to. Now, probably as far as Texas, not necessarily driving them the whole way because, I, you know, it's too long a trip and I, time allotment wouldn't be adequate. And I don't really care to drive it across Texas in the <laughs> summertime anyway. But,
0: no air conditioning. Right. <laughs>
1: but... Uh, we have driven it as far as, um, up into Yosemite and mm-hmm. back over to the coast several times.
0: Do you guys dress up in, in period costumes and do at the whole wicker basket, wicker basket routine?
1: Uh, at times we have, um, two years ago when we were back in Colorado, uh, for a national meet, after the meet was over, we went to, uh, the Mount Rushmore area mm-hmm. and, um, found a photographer there who had one of the old-time studios and got talking to her and asking about whether she would photograph her cars. And so we picked a spot there in town and just outside of uh, Custer, South Dakota, met her. We were dressed in, in uh, era clothing, and yeah, it was kind of fun. Took a few pictures of our cars, and, and yeah, I enjoy doing that kind of thing. I don't do a lot of the the era clothing Dressing usually mm-hmm. because I, I just sometimes we're just on a tour and you might have to crawl underneath the thing and work on it
0: <laughs> or get under the hood. And sure, sure. You don't want to get grease stains all over your nice all cotton long sleeve shirt that you know you have to bleach to, to to clean it. Exactly, exactly. One of the great things about owning a successful and profitable small business is you have the opportunity to give back to the community. One of the ways I've noticed that you do that is through the Bakersfield Breakfast Rotary Club. Yes. And tell us a little bit about your participation and what do you get out of Rotary? Well,
1: I've been a a member of Bakersfield Breakfast Rotary Club since 1999, or yeah, 1999, so um, just almost 20 years. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, In fact, this year will be 20 years. And uh, what drew me to Rotary, uh, I was introduced to it by a friend of mine, Paul Cooper, who was one of the owners of Henley's Photo. And it's an organization that allows me, with my limited resources, to touch the lives of people not only locally, but across the country, internationally. Uh, since Rotary is the largest uh, p- community service organization in the world, as far as I know, the largest one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we do projects all around the globe. Uh, there are I mean there are people in in different countries that I will never meet mm-hmm. that I have been able to help and it's it's kind of powerful to be able to take what I've got to give in way of time, resources, and you pull them together with other Rotarians and uh, through some of their foundation giving and, and uh, some of the projects they do, uh, we've built waterways or uh, water systems for villages that have never had them. We've done a lot of work for uh, an orphanage in Mexico. Um, you know, we've sent relief to hurricane victims and we've locally here have roofed probably i think it was 43 or 44 homes for habitat for humanity over the years excellent and um it's it's a great way to be able to as a small business owner touch those lives like i said with the limited amount of time and money that i have and to me it, it just gives you a great feeling
0: Well, Ken, this has been a very informative and very educational interview. I thank you for being on the Small Business Celebration podcast. it's my pleasure. And uh, we look forward to seeing you and hearing from you again soon. Thank you very much. I've been asked, who is a visioneer? A visioneer is a small business owner who's a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world, not as it is, but as it is could be and is willing to do something about it. A visionary is ethical, smarter, faster and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioner gives value first because visionaires are in business for the long haul. Visionaries understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioners define their destiny. Visioners create their own luck. Visioners surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Become a visioneer by joining the tribe on Small Business Celebration's Facebook page and on Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you may find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond, and that's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. Also, if you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes.com forward slash smallbusinesscelebration and give us a five-star review. If there is a business in the California San Joaquin Valley you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I am your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.